Hello and welcome to the Food Connections podcast, the podcast that helps you learn more about the food you eat and connect with those who make it. I'm Dr. Laura Wynas, a registered nutritionist specialising in nutrition research and communication. I'm also delighted to be one of Scotland's 25 regional food tourism ambassadors. In this episode, I'm joined by John Sinclair from Craigie's Farm. It's an amazing place to be just outside Edinburgh. John is really keen to help people learn more about the food they eat and how it's grown. And so is an ideal guest to have on this podcast. There's plenty for visitors to see and do at the farm and the focus is very much on helping connect people with that field to fork journey. I had a chat with John one morning around the middle of May to get an insight on all the things going on at Craigie's farm. Hello and welcome. Today I'm joined by John Sinclair. How are you this morning? I'm good, thanks Laura. Yeah, nice to to meet you. Can you give us a a little introduction to Craigie's Farm? Yeah, Craigie's Farm is a a diversified farm that's just right in the outskirts of of Edinburgh. So we're we're actually just 20 minutes to the centre of Edinburgh. We're out in the middle of the countryside and are very much focused on producing and selling food direct to the customer and really just kind of shortening that food chain. Brilliant. Easy to get to. Yeah, we're on the west side, so just uh, about a mile off the main A90 road. But yeah, you know, although we're so close to Edinburgh, we're, we're out in, in, in beautiful countryside and, and got, got lovely views. Yeah, you can see the polytunnels from the road. Yeah, a good spot. Yeah, yeah, no, we've got a pretty, we're pretty lucky with the, the, the spot that we've got, so that's, that's a good starting point. And, and what can people kind of expect to see when they visit Craigie's Farm? Yeah, well, I mean, we're kind of got a lot of different strands to the business. So, you know, there's a farm shop and cafe. Uh, it's got fantastic views over Edinburgh and the Forth and, and also over the fields of where most of the produce is coming from. So, you know, not only can they, they sample the, the produce, uh, they can see the, the fields it's grown in. And then, you know, within the shop, we've got a butchery counter, deli counter, got our own in-house bakery. Um, so, you know, lots of things happening in the shop and cafe. And then you know, we're really well known for soft fruit. So you know, all the fruit we grow is uh, sold pick your own. So you know, July, August, and going into September, uh, you know, we've got lots of different sort of fruits that customers can come in and, and pick and, and take away for making jam or filling their freezers. And then most recently, we've, we've added on a large sort of indoor play area. Well, it's got its own cafe and animal viewing area as well, where the kids and families can go and go and see the animals and learn a bit about how their, um, you know, what what their use is on 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 UK farms. Brilliant. No, I was in a few months ago. Um, had a really nice lunch there with the frittata. I think it was vegetable frittata. I had overlooking the fields of vegetables outside. So it was it was very nice. So how many how many visitors do you have each year? Is it quite a lot? Yeah, we're just under 300,000 uh, visitors uh, come up to Craigie's each year. So we're kind of about, probably about 50% sort of um, elderly retired professionals from Edinburgh. And then another 50% will be families with uh, younger kids. Um, so these are, these are kind of our two kind of target audiences. Mm-hmm. I guess you need a lot of staff to kind of do, do all the jobs around the farm. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose when we started off, you know, when I st- started off farming, we, we just had a staff of, uh, uh, you know, a couple on the farm, 
Whereas now, yeah, the payroll's sitting around about 70, um, you know, at peak sort of uh, 80, 85 during the summer months. Yeah, I don't enjoy the end of the month when I'm doing the payroll, but you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's really nice having having people on the, on, on the farm because that's kind of really been lost in the last uh, f- a few generations. Uh, you know, farms can be very lonely places. So, you know, okay, not all the staff are working on the farm. The majority are working in the, the shop, the cafe, the bakery and all these different areas. Mm-hmm. It's quite a community of, of people keeping their clogs working. Yeah, no, and I think it's, it's, it's something that uh, I, I really enjoy, that sort of community kind of, um, uh, and, 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 and just sort of seeing, seeing you know, we take on young uh, school kids, you know, that start off clearing tables and then seeing, seeing individuals develop up through the, through the ranks uh, gives, gives real satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So what, what's your background? Because I understand you, you're from a farming background originally, but maybe not quite the way that you're farming at the moment. So do you want to can we explain what your story <laughs> well, yeah, is? Yeah, <laughs> I probably, probably struggle to call myself a farmer these days, but I'm sort of fifth generation farming uh, on, on Domaini Estate. So my great-grandfather and grandfather were both farm managers uh, on, on the estate. And then my father got, got the chance of uh, a tenancy uh, on one of the farms. Uh, and he, he started off uh, milking cows and retailing the milk directly to consumers at the west side of Edinburgh. But then when pasteurisation laws were introduced in the 1970s, Lord Rosebery wouldn't allow him to put a pasteurisation plant in because you know, it was seen as being a, a non-agricultural operation. Uh, so he decided to come out of dairying altogether because he didn't really see the, um, you know, there was a future in producing a commodity that was going away to get packed and you know there's too many people involved and uh, they had to get their cut from the, the product so in the in the late 80s he, he planted the first of the soft fruit and really from there um you know, everything else has kind of developed and grown um you know so we've seen more people coming onto the onto the farm you know we, we've seen opportunities and and, and taking advantage of them mm-hmm. they've gradually kind of expanded as the years have gone on with more and more produce yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, when I, when I left college, I, I had no interest in speaking to uh, the public and customers. So, you know, <laughs> I was, um, you know, started up a contracting business, uh, doing a lot of work around about potatoes. But then uh, my father passed away uh, in 1995. So at that point, you know, I had to kind of make a decision that I couldn't really do both. And, you know, saw more more opportunities uh, on the the retail and you know, diversification side of things than, than I did and doing contracting. So that, that was a big turning point where we then started focusing on, on development of Craigies. And talking about diversification, you, you grow a huge diversity of vegetables and fruit. So do you know how many different types of vegetables you have? Oh, yeah, I, I just picked it up one time. I think it's, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's probably about be over 50 anyway, especially if you count the different varieties. So yeah, we grow. Um, it, it's kind of that. There's that saying, "Jack of all trades, master of none." And uh, uh, probably, you know, a lot of veg professional veg farmers will be kind of looking at us and or looking at some of the produce we we grow and sort of thinking, you know, what are they doing? <laughs> but we we do go for the the scatter approach and um, we we plant lots of different uh, uh, varieties and uh, crops um, uh, just to try and get a spread because you know, we're not looking to fill up. A, a truckload with uh, with cauliflowers. Um, you know, we're looking just to have a, a you know a good consistent supply. 
that we can keep the, the front of the shop stocked up. We've, we've also seen, because we've got a lot of customers on the farm picking fruit, that uh, you know the, 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 them sort of wanted to pick vegetables as well. And uh, you know, I know I had a farm manager uh, who was very protective over those vegetables. And um, you know, it took quite a bit of persuading to sort of say, well, actually, you know, why not? You know, if a customer wants to pick their own cabbage or cauliflower, then let them carry on. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's all part of the experience of of, of coming out to Craigies, and um, you know, it's kind of what we're what we're about. So, what happens to the veg that you grow? Is it mainly you use it or sell it in your own shop, or allow people to pick it themselves, or sell kind of quite locally? Yeah, the, the majority of the veg that we grow will be sold in, in, the, in the shop. And if it doesn't sell um, or if it gets you know past its best, then we'll, we'll use it in the kitchen for making soups or, 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 or vegetables with uh, dishes. Uh, although we are seeing more and more customers um, you know, wanting to pick their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I would say it's probably your know, soft fruit were probably about 90% pick your own, 10% ready picked. Whereas the vegetables are, are probably the, the, the other way around. That's if you take pumpkins out of the equation, of course. Ah, uh, yeah, the pumpkins. Is, <laughs> would you say is that the most popular vegetable then? The pumpkins is definitely the most popular vegetable, but I suppose unfortunately, um, I'm, I'm, I, I would I would uh, guess that the majority of the pumpkins we grow probably never never get eaten, which uh, <laughs> uh, you know does kind of doesn't sit that well with me. But you know sometimes you've just got to kind of grasp um, your opportunities and take take advantage of of it. But you know we do try. Mm-hmm and um, educate customers that you know, when they are scooping out the flesh from a pumpkin that actually you know it's dead easy to make it into a soup or or, or make a pumpkin pie or something like that so you know that, and that's something that we're uh, really trying to be strong on is, is is trying to kind of introduce that kind of um, educational part as well mm-hmm. you do quite a lot with schools and young people I understand so do you have quite a few school visits to craigie's farm yeah, we do. Um, not not over the last couple of years, just with COVID, but you know we're looking forward to kind of getting back into uh, school visits again. You know, things kind of uh, get a bit easier. But but yeah, school visits is uh, you know something that I'm sort of quite passionate about. You know, I think a lot of the problems that farmers face is the fact that people don't uh, understand how their their food's produced. You know, if you go back sort of thirty odd years ago, you know there was a lot of labour required on farms. Uh, you know, a lot of hand picking of uh, of fruit and veg and potatoes. Whereas mechanisation has really come come in in the last sort of thirty years, so that that requirement for hands on labour has disappeared. And you know, if you go back to the, the days when you know potatoes harvested by hand, you know most people in the in the country would have had a connection to the land. You know whether it even be an aunt or an uncle that that used to go and help the potato harvest or the berry harvest. So there was that kind of basic understanding of how food was produced, whereas that's been lost through mechanisation. You know I don't think it's a bad thing because. Picking potatoes by hand is really backbreaking work and something that uh, you know I wouldn't uh, wish upon anyone. Farmers have got a real challenge at the moment just to kind of uh, get the message across and on how food is produced and uh, why people should be supporting local producers. So do you find when you're talking to young kids that they're actually interested in finding out more about the fruits and vegetables or how to use them? Yeah, absolutely. I think... 
You know, we all lead very busy lifestyles and convenience is uh, king uh, in uh, your modern day living. And we find that a lot of kids that, that come to us, that, you know, just, you know, they've not had the kind of basic cooking skills that, um, you know, that we might have enjoyed when we were younger. And, you know, just, you know, the simplicity of taking raw ingredients direct from the ground and then, um, you know, even just taking carrots and, and chopping them up and boiling them and adding a bit of butter, you know, it's, 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 you see kids' faces when they get involved in that process and then actually get to taste the, the, the difference. It's a great way to get kids to eat a sort of a healthier diet. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of bad press as well about food being unhealthy and um Food, food causes more risk to us by eating too much of it uh, and eating the wrong produce uh, through obesity. Whereas, you know, a good balanced diet with fruit and veg is really important. You know, I think it's really important that we, we teach our kids that and uh, let them enjoy the fun of producing the food as much as the enjoyment of eating it. Yeah, absolutely. It's And variety is key and getting youngsters interested in food is so important I think to establish those healthy eating behaviours we know from statistics or the data shows that a third of adults and 12% of teenagers actually achieve the five a day fruit and veg so we've quite a long way to go in terms of encouraging people to eat more fruits and vegetables and that variety as well because 50% of the UK's vegetable intake is made up of just four types of vegetables so Mm. peas onions carrots and tomatoes which tomatoes I know it's technically a fruit I believe but we kind of eat it as a vegetable so we kind of stick to the what we know almost but from a nutritional point of view we know that variety is key so the more variety of fruits and vegetables the better for your gut microbiome and overall health so um, as you're saying there's a huge variety of produce there on, on Craigie's farm so I'm sure you've got a, a good gut microbiome <laughs> yourself that's it yeah I don't you know it's just you know it's basic skills like you know teaching teaching our kids on how to make up a pot of soup you know really quick easy to make great way of kind of you're cutting down food wastage and um uh, it's a nice simple nutritious meal simple skills like that can go a long way and you've also got animals on the farm so they're lovely for kids to see when I was there you had some lambs which was very cute um, even for adults as well to see um, but yeah do you have a kind of a selection of animals then yeah I mean we're not a livestock farm uh, you know we, we have uh, added various animals as the years have gone by uh, my son is, is, is really keen on on livestock so he's he's actually come home from college and got a, a small uh, flock of sheep uh, that he lambs and you know for customers to see and he's got a few pigs that come through the um, you know the are uh, pork comes through the cafe um, so yeah we do we, we do have a, some animals and I think it's a, quite an important part again of what we do you know we're, we're able to kind of uh, uh, showcase animals and in, in, in sort of environments of where commercially farmed uh, livestock would be you know, how, how, how meat's produced on a larger scale so it's you know it's quite useful to be able to kind of introduce that and when we've got school kids out or members of the public visiting us uh, you know, we can try and get that message across of you know, how, how their, their, their meat is, is produced. Yeah, it's important to have a mixed farm, I suppose, for the, the whole cycle. It all works in, in combination. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've also got a nature trail as well for people who want to maybe, after they've had a nice lunch in the cafe, to wander around. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, we, uh, the Edinburgh Greenbelt Trust uh, a number of years ago, we, we did quite a lot of work with them and got quite a lot of uh, funding for hedging and diking and stuff like that. So they, they, they wanted to kind of leave a bit of a legacy. So they, they got a, a nature trail um, you know, designed and, and put in. Uh, so it's, it's, it's basically it's a series of uh, nine posts with brass rubbings uh, at each point. And you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's called the Nature Detective Trail. So the, the, the kids, uh, when they're going around, they've got to try and gather the clues to guess what the, the brass rubbing is going to be at the next post. So you know, that's, that's, that's really popular uh, as well. And it's a, it's a great opportunity just to kind of get the message over that, you know, farmers work with nature for growing their produce and crops. Um, you know, I think we, we do have a really bad name that, you know, we, we kind of go on and we kind of uh, recreationally spread fertilizer and, and chemicals just for pesticides, just for the fun of it. Um, you know, whereas, you know, that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, it's uh, very much about trying to work with uh, the environment round about us as much as we can uh, and, and and using these uh, you know powerful levers to you know keep pests at bay um, uh, using you know, biodiversity i suppose consumers are really interested in the seasonality of foods as well and i guess there's busier times of the year for you for uh, sowing and planting or harvesting different crops um, uh-huh. So what's the busiest time of year for you with what you grow? Yeah, I suppose on the farm just now is probably a really busy time, you know, because we've you know, got a lot of planting going on um, and just trying to prepare the farm for the summer period uh, and make sure we've got you know, a good range of crops and also that, you know, it's a we've got a lot of customers coming onto the farm that, you know, it's a safe place for, for customers to be. So, you know, operationally now is probably our, our peak season. Um, but then when we get to July, you know, we've probably got between 1,000 1,500 customers coming onto the farm every day. You know, that gets, gets really busy. But, you know, by that time, you know, most of the team will be pretty well up to speed and know what they're doing and processes. And, you know, all, all, all the planning will have kicked into, in, in, into operation. And, and you know, generally speaking, touch wood, uh, things run pretty smoothly through, through the summertime. Of course, summertime is peak time for, as I say, pick your own berries. What's the first berry? Is it strawberries coming to season first? Yeah, strawberries will be the first group. When you see the first of the Scottish strawberries hitting the supermarket shelves and kind of, uh, um, you know, February, March time, uh, you know, from heated tunnels where the phone sort of uh, starts to ring and doesn't really stop. But, you know, we, we, don't, we don't aim to have super early fruit. Um, you know, we're kind of aiming for more of the traditional fruit season so we're looking to kind of start mid-June um, and then you're looking to have things really kicking off in July when the, the school holidays start. And I take it, are you involved in the fruit picking as well or? Um, just just for, for the sampling, uh, just to make sure that the quality is right. You know, it's an important part of the job. Quality uh, control. Quality control, yeah. Just like after to have the first coffee in the morning. Uh, it's uh, uh, just as important to make sure that the fruit tastes good. Although the team will be probably at their busiest in, in July, you know, just as I was saying, um, you know, if, if, if everything's well organised beforehand, then it's actually a time of year where things should be quite quiet for me. It's quite a nice time of year for, for, for me just to kind of uh, uh, let the team do what they're good at. Mm-hmm. And I know summer is obviously people think about berries being in season in summer, but what's the in season vegetables in summer? Is there any good vegetables to come and pick in summertime 
Yeah, I mean, lettuce is, is something that you'll uh, you'll probably got the longest season. We plant quite a lot of lettuces in the, in, in the polytunnels and they're quite fast growing. So salad, leaves and lettuce. And then your carrots, pea pods, peas are quite a short season, but uh, yeah, people go go daft for for <laughs> pea pods. Um, you know, there's, there's probably nothing nothing nicer than you know, peas just at the uh, you know just at the peak of sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your know, spring cabbage um, kind of leads into kind of cauliflowers, cabbage, carrots. Um, so there's a couple of months where things are quite sparse. So May and, May and June. Uh, but then once we get into July, then you know the the, the shells are quite quite uh, you know largest kind of quite bountiful and kind of well filled with uh, good good produce. Because mm-hmm. we talk about the hunger gap, is that kind of in Scotland? That's when there's the least amount of fresh produce around. Yes. Is that... so, so, so kind of uh, March, April, May, June are the kind of the, the sort of most challenging mo- months when there's probably you know the least amount of choice. Um, uh, mm-hmm. But uh, we're able to kind of bridge it not too badly. Mm-hmm. And so what's a kind of typical day for you like, or is there any such thing as a typical day or? Yeah, well, I'm generally kind of uh, in, in the office most days. Um, so generally here, your first thing, got to sample that first coffee, uh, <laughs> important part of my job. Um, and then you'll uh, have regular meetings with my, my, my general manager and management team. So you'll uh, say, like to keep in touch with what, what, what their plans are and what they're doing and just give them any help and advice if, if required. I'm also quite involved with the Royal Holland Agricultural Society, currently sitting the exec and uh, executive committee and I'm the treasurer. So that takes up you know, quite a bit of time, but you know, it's, it's really enjoyable and meet a lot of really good good people and um, yeah, I quite uh, enjoy, enjoy the work I do at the Royal Highland Society. Um, and then, yeah, quite often, I'll, a couple of times a week, I'll, I'll sneak away and, and uh, um, get, get a bit of golf therapy as well, which is, uh, I think, really important. Yeah, it's good to have a mixture of, of things in life and uh, a balance of work and play, I suppose. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and do you have a favourite food? I know you've got a huge selection of fruits and vegetables to choose from, but is there any favourite dish that you've got or a favourite fruit or veg? Yeah, well, I mean, to, to me, I think your, your food should be as, as, as uh, the, 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 just the sort of the, the flavours of the, of the of fresh fruit and veg is, is really important. And, um, you know, it's, that's what it's all about. You don't really want to be doing too much to it. I mean, I think... The most satisfying time of year would be you know, getting to taste the first strawberry of the season. Um, unlike a lot of people now, you know, your strawberries are available in the supermarket shelves all through the year. Um, you know, I won't buy imported fruit, um, uh, or especially strawberries and raspberries, because you know, I'd rather eat a turnip than than some of the some of the, the fruit that you get during winter months. So you, know, I think, tasting that first strawberry of the season, you know, a bit of cream is uh, is, is really nice. Um, I do get sick of strawberries quite quickly, um, so I quite quickly move on to raspberries, and I could probably eat raspberries till I burst. And I suppose in vegetables, you know, I mean, it's still your childhood memories or, or, or younger day memories when we used to grow a lot of potatoes is going into the field and, and you know, digging a, a shaw of potatoes and uh, you're taking them straight into the house and, and um, you know, boiling them and having them with butter and uh, oatmeal. You know, I, I, I think that the first potatoes of the season are, are just about as good as the first strawberries of the season. Good comfort food. Just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and what variety of potatoes do you grow? 
we don't grow any potatoes ourselves anymore. Um, we, we contract farm uh, the ground. So um, the, 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 the um, farmer that, that contracts the ground uh, will grow potatoes in, uh, on the farm in the rotation. So it's mainly Mars Piper, Saxon, uh, sort of two, two main varieties that, that he grows. Um, and is that good all round varieties? I know Maris Piper, that's a, a good all rounder, isn't it? Yeah, I've heard Maris of Saxon Piper's, before. But. Yeah, Saxon's are kind of like a cousin of the Maris Piper, so it's a very similar, probably probably better for boiling than, than Maris Piper. But uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with a, with a good Maris Piper. Well, thank you so much for your insight, and it's been great to hear about everything that you're doing at Craigie's Farm. It sounds a, a great place to find out more about the produce that we eat and certainly pick your own fruit and vegetables um so yeah appreciate your time this morning not at all thank you very much lauren uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your day thanks for listening to this food connections podcast do check out the show notes for more information related to this episode and if you enjoyed this episode please tell others about it and do get in contact with me if you have any comments or suggestions for future guests see you next time